0: Welcome to the Urology, Coding, and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 91 of the Urology, Coding, and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on this episode, we're going to answer some questions. We've got some questions that came in through our forum, and uh, you can join the forum at any time. If you go to prsnetwork.com, you can go to episode 091, and there's a link to joining the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group. You'll see where a couple of these questions have come from, and then we do have a couple of questions coming from our uh, community that's... uh, part of the products that we sell, like the Coding Course and other products. So first, we'll start off with a question that came in. Um, and uh, the question is, my clinic is trying out the apps or the app through a monoflow that tracks a patient's urine for 14 days, and then the neurologist goes over the results with the patient when the trial is finished. My clinic is very confused on whether or not each individual needs an interpretation Each individual individual day needs an interpretation written by the doctor in order to bill a Euroflow, which is the 51741, on a particular day. All right. What do you got there?
1: So, as many of you know, in full disclosure, I have been working with a lot of the remote Euroflow companies um, in dealing with different aspects of – how to bill um, for this particular service. So um, there's a couple of different things that are out there. So number one, um, the 51741 in particular was developed um, years ago, and the RVUs are based on the not only the Euroflow um, results and interpretation for which there is a work RVU, but also for the equipment purchase and um, requirements to maintain clean the uroflow between patients. So there is a technical component to the uroflow as well. And in fact, it is a PCTC component. So when I look at um, these apps and what they're doing, um, You know, there really is not a technical component that is supported for these types of tests. Um, And so that's one thing I would say that if you're looking at these reads coming back from any of these apps, and the AUA has also um, given at least some interpretation on this, that the only uh, portion of the 51741 that could be billed is the, the Dash 2.6, or the professional component, Because and th- that's specific to the apps. There's other remote Euroflows that have devices, um, and if the patient's paying for the device, then again, the 26 is the, the right modifier. If the office rents or leases the device, then um, now you're actually paying to maintain that device as it's shipped to the patient and shipped back And there, so we've got a different issue that's there. Um, Not that it it allows you to build the technical component, because again, it's not the same thing. Um, So um, we've recommended for the apps and for those remote Euroflows that the patient pays for the device, that 51741-26 is, would be appropriate for the interpretation. Um, now, the other thing you've got to understand is that the 51741 has an MUE of one. So, you're only allowed to bill for one interpretation per calendar date. Um, you know, realistically, if all of the reads are done on one date, they're comparative, then 51741-26 with a unit of one um, is all you could report, even if you had 14 days worth of data. Um, if, on the other hand, there were reads for other dates and you read those um, technically on separate dates, you could charge for the date those were read. Um, so it is a little bit tricky, and I can understand why you're confused. And, Basically, we're trying to fit a round peg into a square hole. Um, These are really remote monitoring devices, um, but they don't have remote monitoring set up for diagnostic tests like this, and we don't go long enough to actually qualify for remote patient monitoring or the RPM codes. So essentially, I would say if all of these are interpreted in one day, then 51741-26 would be the correct code with only one unit. If you are reading them on different dates of service and the Euroflow notes are uh, done for each date of service um, on different dates of service, then you could potentially report those reads on different dates if you're reading them each day as the patient's information comes back to you um, under the current guidelines. But I I really feel there needs to be a better long-term solution here, and we will have one. This is just a stopgap to where things are right now.
0: Have you had any denials, Mark, that you were uh, familiar with um, personally? I mean, have you guys seen anything coming through, or have you not built these?
1: So the 5174126 with multiple units, definitely denied um, 51741 billed 14 times on the same patient um, uh, has we've seen a couple of denials for frequency issues um, have 51741-26 um, we've seen a couple but we've also seen some pay so there it, it's all over the board um in in the end it's not a huge dollar item, so some of some players are letting it fly under the radar, and some are not. What I'm worried about is that eventually when they catch on to this and what it really represents and what they're doing is that even though you got paid and you didn't get denied, that doesn't necessarily make it correct and therefore could be subject to take back so um so. You know measuring it just by denials isn't the only way to go, and that's why I give you the the full detail and the answer of mm-hmm. uh, you yeah, be careful of those and and again if you're if you are renting a device and sending it out and then getting it back and that's paid for by the office, then actually i I would go with five three eight nine nine I would go unlisted with that and um, so we'll see if the AUA updates. Their opinion. Their opinion was written a, a little over a, a year and a half ago on remote Euroflow testing, um, and there's been some new technology enter the market since then. So, I imagine we'll get some responses from the AUA in the near future. And um, I do think long term, this we need a new set of codes for this.
0: And and you meant paid for by the patient uh, when the rental, but no, or so- paid
1: for by the office. By the by, the if it's paid for by the office, the only okay. way you can bill the five three eight nine nine is if you are, you know, billing for the equipment. If the patient okay. pays for it, they paid for it. All you get's the twenty six, and the app is, you know, kind of the same way. If you're not paying for the app, then you shouldn't bill for the global. You should only bill for the professional.
0: All right, Ray, any comments on that? No. Okay, moving on to the next question. Uh, from Tracy, I am working on an appeal letter, letter to Regents Blue Shield for an stem device. In their criteria for coverage, the coverage diagnosis for this type of treatment are um, A, urgent continence, which is the N39.41, B, which is the non-obstructive urinary retention, the R33.8, C, overactive bladder, which is the N32.81, and D, urgency frequency syndrome.
1: Which doesn't right. have a diagnosis, okay?
0: Which, which no, uh, yeah, which doesn't have a particular ICD-10 code. And then, uh, so the question is, uh, for D, I could use the symptom codes of R39.15 and R35.0 but is there anything else that might be better? The documentation states the female patient has Fowler syndrome, but there isn't an ICD-10 for that either. Any suggestions?
1: To answer your, your last question first, the correct code for Fowler syndrome would be N3644. Um, and just, Tracy, to tell you how I found that, because it doesn't actually – specifically state Fowler syndrome. Um, Actually looking at what Fowler syndrome is, which is a difficulty in relaxing the sphincter um, for a a patient, typically in young females, um, I went actually into the ICD-10 index and searched under relaxation. And under relaxation sphincter Um, It directs you to N3644, which is muscular disorders of the urethra, um, which does seem to fit um, the diagnosis for this, for Fowler syndrome. So that's just a a workaround, at least to find something when you've got nothing on the direct search there. You kind of look at the underlying conditions and navigate through that way using the index. So, hopefully, that helps a little bit. Um, but it doesn't necessarily help in the overall payment structure because that is not a covered diagnosis according to Regent's Blue Shield. Um, so, um, if you're looking at going without speaking to the physician, you'd have to try the frequency and urgency because urgency frequency syndrome is not uh, a diagnosis that you can tag back to any one particular. So, using frequency and urgency makes sense there. Um, Now, the other thing I would ask, though, um, on this um, would be, would you talk to the physician? I mean, kind of given what's going on with the patient, um, they might reconsider overactive bladder as a diagnosis because of the frequency and urgency um, that is occurring relative to their foulers. They may not think that's appropriate clinically, um, but it would be worth talking to the physician to see if that is a possibility um, as an accurate diagnosis for this particular patient based on what you've got in front of you. Um, without, with him, if, if he or she says, no, that's not the right diagnosis, then I would go with the frequency, urgency, And then, as a third diagnosis, I would add the N3644. And if it was denied, I would appeal um, and prepare to go that route.
0: Ray, any comments on that discussion?
2: No, I think uh, Mark has done a good job with that.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Next question from uh, Jared If Medicare has a, a TERP, Five two six zero one. I guess as a Medicare patient has a TERP, uh, which is the five two six zero one, and then two months later has a bladder scan in the office five one seven hundred. Should Medicare pay for that bladder scan?
1: So I'm going to we're going to start with um, so Dr. Heiner. The I think you meant to type five one seven nine eight for the bladder scan. Um, So I'm going to answer it that way, Um, and uh, an easy an easy FOPER on the key side of things. Um, So the 51798 is an interesting code, as we've discussed over time. First of all, it doesn't have a work value. um, But the second thing is it really is, uh, you know, out of place. Um, It is technically an ultrasound code, a radiologic service, but it is housed within the procedural section. Now, if you look at the definition of Medicare, um, Medicare does say in their global that um, diagnostic, radiologic, and laboratory tests are not part of the global. So, uh, the technically, technically, a five one seven nine eight um, should fit into that category as billable. Now. Obviously, that 51798 is related to the 52601 because you're following up to see if the patient is is now voiding appropriately. So, I don't see that there's any modifiers you could use to alert Medicare if they are somehow tagging the 51798 as a procedure, even with an XXX global value. So, um, I would say technically it's appropriate to bill. Um, it may be difficult to get paid because of its location within the CPT book. Um, uh, and, you know, the. so in the end, um, 51798 is okay. No modifiers are appropriate. Um, so any type of appeal that you would have to run to try and get them to understand that it is a, a radiologic service and not a procedure um, would be extra work, and the, the reward for that is, is not huge. Um, so you'd have to balance out how far you're going to run down that pathway. So 51798, um, okay to bill in the global, no modifier, though. So you're reliant on the the payer to properly categorize that code as radiologic and not surgical. And have you seen that uh, work with <laughs> within not- our –
0: Billing crew? Not very, uh, okay. Ray,
2: thoughts? Yeah, Mark is right. It's so frustrating when payers don't get it right and don't understand the rules, but this is definitely one that is correct. And to elaborate on exactly what Mark meant by there's no modifier appropriate because the code is related But since it is diagnostic and it is ultrasound, it should be paid.
0: All right. Okay. Well, let's move on to the final question, Uh, another question by Dr. Heiner. What is the difference between simple prostatectomy codes 55821 and 55831? What is the best way to code for robotic-assisted laparoscopic simple prostatectomy on a Medicare patient, and the same question for a commercially insured patient. All
1: right. So this has been one um, that we've been dealing with for a little while. So to answer your first question, the 55821 um, is a – Uh, excuse me, it's a, it is a simple prostatectomy, um, but it is, um, retropubic, no, excuse me, suprapubic, and the 55831 is retropubic, so it's about the approach, um, and because uh, those codes are so specific about approach, um, the AUA has actually come out and said, uh, that they, uh, do not recommend using either of those codes for a robotic-assisted um, simple prostatectomy, um, but instead um, should use an unlisted code for lapicro- laparoscopic services. Um, so uh, you you do want to look at a a, a laparoscopic uh, procedure code, um, and unfortunately, we don't have an unlisted male genital laparoscopic code. Um, So, we end up going back to the bladder default laparoscopic code, which is 51999. So, the appropriate code would either be unlisted male genital, the 55899, but the more appropriate probably should be the 51999 for both Medicare and commercial insured patients, unless you get a commercially uh, a commercial insurance company to give you in writing a different way to report those codes. Um, that's a CPT directive and an AUA directive, so it it would apply to all payers, um, unless the payer decides to do something different.
0: Yeah, we've had that that question come up several times in the forum and uh, over, you know, recently as to what's the right code for the laparoscopic robotic, robot-assisted prostatectomy. So the 51999 is the correct one. Ray, your thoughts?
2: The only question I have, uh, Mark, have you heard any rumors as to when the AUA or if the AUA is going to add any more laparoscopic codes? Um, rumors.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I've heard rumors. They're <laughs> looking at new codes. Um, but I don't have anything more than a rumor.
0: All right. Okay. that uh, That's what we wanted to cover this episode. Um, we will remind you that you can go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 091 to sign up for the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group. And you can see these questions and see the answers. Uh, and... Uh, see other questions that uh, we do answer uh, not on this podcast. So I do encourage you to go over there and please ask us a question, or if you want to, you can also suggest a topic that you'd like us to cover um, as some have done in that community as well. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Mark, final thoughts.
1: Uh, so I guess my, my main thoughts on, on a lot of this stuff is, you definitely want to understand what you're paying for versus what you bill and billing for things that you don't pay for can get you in trouble. Um, that's fraud. So, um, and that specifically goes back to the, the Euro flow stuff, you know, don't charge a, a, a technical and a professional. If you're not paying for part of the technical component that can really come back and bite you. So, um, you want to be careful on those new technologies and and keep an eye on things. You know we're hoping to get new new codes around this. Um, I think as as telehealth is here to stay, um, we'll see a lot of things change on those. Um, but I've obviously spent a lot of time buried deep in the weeds with these you know remote Euroflows and remote diagnostic codes, and we're just we're just don't have the code structure there yet because the technologies outpace the codes once again. Same is true of the the uh, robotic stuff. We're doing a lot of robotic stuff that the codes aren't there for. Um, unlisted codes. So don't, don't be afraid of unlisted codes, I guess, is the overall piece. If that's the most accurate code, bill it. Get used to dealing with it. We're, we're probably going to have to deal with several over the years.
0: Do you put together a canned uh, uh, unlisted code? you know, packet that you just send in, does that make it easier?
1: Well, there's a few things you do. One, make sure that Box 19 always says the same thing when you have an, a, a repetitive unlisted code because um, Medicare can set up uh, a dual factor payment structure based on the uh, on both the, uh, the the unlisted code and the Box 19 description. So always use that stuff um, and then, um, always use the same stuff. And then, yeah, I'd have a canned appeal letter and, uh, and I would back it up with peer reviewed articles. If you've got them, um, you know, you've got to prove medical necessity and clinical value on everything you do. So a nice canned fill in the blank type of thing to make sure it's specific to the patient, but also has everything you need is, is absolutely advisable and a good way to save a lot of time.
0: All right, Ray, your final thoughts.
2: Well, we talked about new codes for this and new codes for that, but uh, you you need to understand that the AUA at times is reluctant to add new codes because when you add a new code, everything in that family gets reevaluated. So the old saying, be careful what you want; you might get it. Sometimes you get a good code, new code, but you don't always uh, keep a good payment for something you already had. So, be patient with the AUA; they do try to do the right thing at the right time.
0: All right. That it seems that's always seemed kind of crazy to me that you that they that they have that set up the way they do, uh, rule-wise, but must uh, must have to save some time and, and keep it the codes from exploding, I guess, is the only logic there.
2: Uh, it's the RUC committee and, uh, and uh, the whole idea that if urologists
1: get more, everybody else gets less. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's budget. I mean, the reality is Medicare's budget is one size. Everything fits within the budget. So when you add, you subtract. It's gotta come from somewhere. It's like any other it's like your own business. If you wanna spend money on something and you only have so much money, you're gonna you may have to take it from something else. It's it's budgeting. It's a it's a simple economic equation in the end that, that drives all of this stuff. And then of course the complexity comes in. How you allocate that budget and what's fair and that's where everybody argues different things and that's why we're in such a crazy conundrum across the board is it's not always not always straightforward as to what the answer is
2: that is so true and it all boils down if the urologist gets more somebody else gets less
1: or if you get more in urology for one thing, you're going to get less in another place. So,
0: <laughs> The other good point. Like squeezing a balloon. Same yep. shape. Different. different uh, well, not the same shape. Same, same volume. Different shape. Okay. We'll wrap it up here. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.